This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, C3, I hope you're doing well today. And those of you that are not part of C3 and you're hanging out with us online this morning, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're excited that you're with us. And I want everyone to know, Angie and I, we are praying for you. Many of you have emailed in, sent in prayer requests. We are praying constantly through you in this season. And I hope that you're doing okay as we navigate some days like we've never lived before. It's a very unusual time. And in this time, we have some more free time. You're working from home and your, your mind can kind of drift. And I was just wondering, what, what are you thinking about? As we're in these days, what, what do you think about the most? And what you're thinking about, is it the thing you worry about? If I could ask you, what's the one thing you worry about more than anything else? What would that be? Because right now it feels like there are things to worry about. We're not sure. We're hopeful, but we're not sure exactly what the economy is going to look like. Some of you are worried or concerned about family members that that have gotten sick or, or you're concerned they might get sick. I've gotten a lot of emails from people, man, please pray for my grandfather. Please pray for my my mom. And so there's a lot of concern about that. And that can turn to worry where it just sort of grips us. And we live in a cycle of being consumed with all these things there are to worry about. When do we get to hang out again? Man, I can't wait until we can meet again together uh, as a church family and guests and the community come and join us. That's going to be awesome. And so it's on our minds, all these different things. And one of the things I think it's important to understand is that worrying is not thinking. Worry and thinking are very different. Thinking is to be aware of the problem, but focused on the solution. Worry is to be focused on the problem while while aware there might be a solution. There's a big difference in thinking and worrying. And worry is so powerful that, that it can cause the anxiety of our minds to be contagious to our bodies. Worry can affect us physically. So it impacts us mentally. It impacts us emotionally. It impacts us physically. We tend to perpetually sort of deep dive into worst case scenarios of the unknowable and the uncontrollable. Some people have a greater propensity to this. Some people worry more than others, but all of us can be caught in this trap of of just sort of going deep into the things that we can't control or we don't know for sure and just sort of living there and just spending a lot of emotional and mental energy worrying about all the things that might happen. And what we know is that how you think will affect the way you feel. It's true of all of us. How we think determines how we feel. How we think also determines the decisions we make and the consequences of those. How how we think determines how we live, but it certainly impacts how we feel. And it's often the worrying that affects us more than what we're even worrying about. It's the moment by moment, day by day. That thing that keeps hitting you, that you keep worrying about, you keep thinking about. The thing when you wake up in the middle of the night and maybe you go to the bathroom and you come back and not only did you need to go to the bathroom, you feel like you need to worry a little bit because your brain starts jumping into this this rhythm and this cycle and you really never fall fully back asleep because we get caught in the trap of worry. Now, it doesn't mean that there, there aren't things we shouldn't be concerned about. There's a difference in worry and concern. Worry focuses on the problem. Concern is aware of the problem, but doesn't focus on it. 
So worry gets all caught up and consumed with the problem, but concern, it's not that we live these disillusional lives where we, we don't think there's anything going on or nothing that we struggle with. No, no, no. Concern is aware of it, but doesn't let it become its God or the focus. And so this morning, I want to look at a brief passage that I think is going to be very helpful. It's found in Philippians. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Now, we know it's inspired by God, so it's from God, but he uses Paul to write it. And it's interesting to me the context of when Paul writes this letter. Paul is isolated in prison. He's sheltering in place. And he gives us God's strategy for navigating our darkest days and our most uncertain moments. And so he starts in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 6. The text says, do not be anxious about anything. Now now think about that a second. How do we not be anxious? I mean, if you deal with anxiety or if you deal with worry, if you feel consumed with that and it just sort of hits you and kind of takes over, how do you just flip a switch to turn that off? Do not be anxious about anything. I remember when I was a kid, we went on vacation to Colorado and we were camping and we were staying in this campsite, this camping area, and we were walking through that campground and me and my two younger brothers and this dog came up and bit one of my brothers right on the nose. The dog bit it. And then I remember the talk that my parents gave afterwards. You know, my brother was OK and they, they took care of everything. But I remember my, my parents saying to us, hey, you need to make sure now. Coming out of this, when you saw what you saw from my brother, when he experienced what he experienced, make sure you're not afraid of dogs when you see them because they can sense your fear. (laughs) You know what that did? That made me more afraid. Like you get in the cycle of, wait, 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 maybe they can sense this. Maybe they can sense this. Maybe they know. And and how do you just turn that off? Uh, The other day in, in this shelter in place, all of our team is working from home. And so every now and then you take breaks. It was the end of the work day. And Ethan wanted to go out and play some basketball, and so we have a a hoop in the driveway, so we went out to shoot some baskets, and if you were to look at me and you were to think, I don't think he's very good at basketball, you would be exactly right. (laughs) I'm not very good at basketball, but as we were going out, the ball had gone down on the side of our driveway, the the lawn kind of slopes, and the ball had rolled down that, and so Ethan ran over to the edge of the driveway, jumped into the grass, and as he's in the air, he looks down, and there's a snake. There, there's a snake in the grass, and we see about this much of it, and the rest of it is going up under the driveway. Now, my man sees that when he's in the air, and so when his feet landed on the grass, he did the biggest hop you've ever seen in your life back to the driveway. And what happens in that moment when you see the snake, when I see the snake, maybe snakes are no big deal to you, but I think every single snake deserves to die. I think every single snake deserves a death sentence. It's just what should happen. They're of absolutely no use. I know they eat mice. We can buy mouse traps. It's fine. We don't need snakes. But that snake was terrifying. So in those scenarios, a dog bite or a snake, or maybe the bigger issues in life, I mean, what's going to happen to our income? What does our stock portfolio look like right now? What, what does this mean for retirement? How, how do we make the payments that we're needing to make. If you've been furloughed or lost your job or your hours have been cut back, how how do we navigate this? And there's a worry that can come in. And that worry, if we're not careful, can overtake us. So this passage says, do not be anxious, do not worry. Now, I think it's important to know what happens right before this passage. Right before Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, says, do not be anxious. What happens right before that 
I want you to see this. Philippians chapter four, verses four and five. Here's how the message translation puts it. Celebrate God all day, every day. Celebrate. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. By the way, by the way, that's an awesome thing for the church to do. Man, people need to know what we're for, not what we're against. And we need to be for people. That's why at C3, every single person, hey, you matter. But the verse says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He's coming back. He could show up at any minute. And there's this happy tone, this encouraging tone, this celebratory tone. And then he seems to slide in right at the end of that next verse. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) What? Wait, there's this celebratory atmosphere and then do not be anxious because often that's how worry comes. Sometimes it's a surprise attack. Sometimes it comes in and things are going relatively well in life. Like, remember what we're living in right now seem to advance so quickly. Like we, we heard a little bit about what was happening in China and around the world. And it's kind of on our radar a little bit. But once things got real here, they got real fast. And things can be going OK. And then worry can come into our lives. So this is just a pattern of what life is like, even as a Christ follower. They're good days. They're amazing days. There are days that it feels like, man, God's being so good. Life's good. Marriage is good. Family's good. Job's good. And then out of the blue, something can happen that can bring worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, Now, notice that phrase. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer. See, in this verse... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. The anything is connected to the everything. They go together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every time, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the way to not be anxious about anything is to pray about everything. Now, I think one of the things that can happen in life is we begin to view prayer as a last resort. I think it's important to remember this statement. You might want to jot it down. The way to not be anxious about anything is to pray about everything. And so with what's taking place in life right now, there are a lot of things we can't do and a lot of things we can't control. There are so many things happening that are beyond that that we just can't fix. There's not a formula. Uh, we, We can't make it all okay. But there are some things we can do. So in life, when there are times we can't, We can. There are things we can't control or can't do anything about, but there are some things we can do. So when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. What what are the things Paul walks through this strategy? Hey, here's how you deal with difficult days. Here's how you deal with uncertain times. And the first one is, I can pray effectively. I can pray effectively. You can, I can, everybody can do this. Notice the text, but in every situation by prayer and petition, petition could be translated request by prayer and petition, but in every situation. What does that mean? Every situation, that means there's nothing that is too unimportant to talk to God about. There's nothing that's too small. Some of the prayer requests we've gotten by email, it's almost like sometimes people feel bad about asking for prayer, and I, I get that, because there's a, we're aware that there are other people that are struggling through more. And so sometimes people will, will email in and say, hey, 
I feel bad even asking this. I, I know there are other people that have it so much worse than what I'm dealing with, but could you pray about this for me? Hey, you don't need to feel bad about it. There is absolutely nothing that is too unimportant to talk to God about. He says in every situation, every single time, pray about it. So what do we do? I, I can pray effectively. How do I do that? It's simple. Be frequent, be clear, and be honest. Be frequent. Pray as often as you need to pray. Worry can hit us like waves, and we pray about it, and five minutes later, five hours later, maybe five days later, that same thing hits us again or something else. Worry sometimes can roll in one wave after another. And so praying one time about it, no. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Prayer is not something we enter and exit. Prayer is ongoing. As a follower of Christ, You have the ability to talk to the God who invites us to call him father at any moment, at any time. So be frequent. If you worry often, pray often. Be clear. Let God know exactly how you're feeling, what you need from him. Share with him as honestly as you can. See, when we're honest with God and we're clear, it's not that God needs us to help him understand what we're feeling or thinking. He already knows. Being clear with God in prayer, the benefit of that is, I know deep down inside that God knows. If I pray ambiguous prayers, if I pray sort of kind of around it and there's some things, I I don't know if I can say this to God, I don't know if I should express this to God, then I walk away thinking, okay, I think I explained it, but does he really get it? When you're clear, you know that God knows. And be honest. Be honest with God. He knows how we're feeling anyway. So when it comes to prayer, I can pray effectively, be frequent, be clear, and be honest. Let's learn to pray to God and talk to God as instinctually and quickly as our kids do with us. Think about it. There's a fight over the Xbox. Your kids, our kids are home a lot. And so one of them comes running in. They don't worry about anything. They come up to you. Hey, mom, hey, dad, they won't let me get on the Xbox. They've been on for two hours. It's clear. It's concise. It's honest. It's right to you. Or you're driving down the road and you're going somewhere and you hear from the backseat, he hit me. There's not, oh, dear, lovely father. No, sometimes in those moments, We just need to be clear and concise and get right to it because it's what we're feeling and thinking. And our God is big enough. He can take that and he understands that. We're on the vacation and the kids, they let you know, I got to go to the bathroom. We need to pull over. I got to go to the bathroom. And and you're thinking, we just stopped. And why did you drink five of those drinks? We got to go to the bathroom. And they let you know that they're clear. Be crystal clear. Be honest. Be frequent. How often should I pray? I, I just addressed it. As often as you need to. There's a phrase that may help you that I use in my life, and I just kind of remember this phrase. Uh, came up with it a few years ago, and it's something that just kind of helps me. When my mind begins to stray, I know it's time to pray. When my mind begins to stray into the desolate desert of worry, and I feel the heat of all that could happen, when my mind begins to stray, I know it's time to pray. So as frequently as we need to. And then notice what the passage says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, remember that phrase, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God can come in. Do not be anxious about anything. How do I do that? It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. I can't just flip a switch and turn off worry. I don't know how to do that. He says, hey, when you you pray effectively, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, what does that mean? It means God offers someone, Jesus, that brings something beyond our understanding. When we can't figure things out logically, we need help 
supernaturally. If we can't figure it out logically, we need help supernaturally. It's what has to happen. We, we need God to do something that we can't do for ourselves. And you can't just evade and turn off worry. And I can't either. We need God. And the amazing thing is we have God if you're a follower of Christ. So Paul says, hey, on your darkest days, in your most overwhelming moments, when you're living through crisis, when you don't understand, I can pray effectively. A lot of things I can't do, but I can pray effectively and I can think beneficially. This is so critical. I can think beneficially. Notice Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. What we focus on determines what we see. There's a part of the brain called the reticular activator. And it's the part of the brain that stays on and stays on alert and helps us notice some things and ignore other things. And the brain does this because if we noticed everything, we would be too distracted to accomplish anything. And so the reticular activator helps us notice, oh, that's something I need to be aware of. Oh, wow, that's something I think, uh, that's something I pay attention to. And it helps us ignore other things. The reticular activator is what is activated in the brain when you buy that yellow Volkswagen Beetle and you think your car is so unique. And then you notice over the next month or two, you start seeing yellow Volkswagen Beetles because the reticular activator in the brain goes to the familiar. It goes to what is familiar in the context of your life and the things it feels like you need to know and you need to be aware of. So if there's a pattern of familiarity with worry and you develop that in your life where you you, you jump on that spin cycle and you go and you go and you go and you're expending so much energy but accomplishing nothing, it's because worry has become too familiar to you. When we worry, we can be stuck in a pattern of thinking that's going in circles, expending a lot of energy, but accomplishing nothing. Now, if you're dealing with some worry these days, first of all, it's normal. It's not like there aren't things to worry about. It's not like there aren't things that are uncertain. It's normal. But God gives us the ability because of who Jesus is to live beyond and above normal. And here's the beautiful thing about this. Only you control what you focus on. You get to decide. You can't control what thought pops in your mind. You can control how long it stays there. You can't control what thought pops in your mind, but you can control how you process it and which perspective you choose to take on it. Glass half full, half empty. You control how you think about what pops in your mind and you control what you focus on. So, so notice the verse again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. You know what's true? There's a God who loves you deeply and completely. Whatever's noble, what's noble? That God loves in such a noble way that he gave his only son because of his love for us. And Jesus came to a cruel world and died on a cross and got up from the dead so that you, could, you and I could experience the life God created us to live. We could experience a relationship with him. Whatever's right, you know what's right? That, that the moment I give my life to Christ, he gives me his spirit so that I can live life in a way that he gives me wisdom and I'm able to discern what the wise thing is to do. Whatever's pure, you know what's pure? The Bible says that when I'm forgiven and I I accept the gift of eternal life from Christ, I surrender my life to Christ, that, that God views me through the shed blood of Christ and sees me 
through his righteousness. Whatever's lovely. You know what's lovely? God's given us the ability to share a contagious love and passion for God with people around us and a contagious love for people. Whatever's admirable. You know what's admirable? People that use their influence because of what Jesus did for them to impact the lives of others. Now, C3, I want to say something to you just for a moment. If you're part of C3, I need to share this with you. I have been blown away. Blown away. I mean, I've always known C3 was awesome. I think it's the greatest church in the world. But I've been blown away by your generosity. I've been blown away by the number of people that have texted or emailed or made phone calls and said, hey, I know some people are struggling, but in, in my job, I'm fine. I, I want to increase what I'm giving to C3. Did you know in recent days we've actually added people that are giving online to who was already doing that? It's incredible. We've had people contact us and say, hey, I'm getting this stimulus check from the government and, and I'm doing okay but I know there are people in need. We want, to, we want to donate that to C3 and contribute to the way you guys are helping people day in and day out. There are people that are saying, oh my gosh, we're, we're getting a stimulus. Man, first thing we've got to do is put Jesus first and give that 10% off the top. That, that is how we live as Christ followers because that's admirable. Whatever's admirable, putting other people first. Jesus said it this way, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's admirable. If anything is excellent, What's excellent is the church has an incredible opportunity. And by the way, the church is you and me. The church is not a building. And we're learning that in a huge way right now. The church is not an address. Our mission is the same no matter what our address is. And what is excellent is is that the church is still the hope of the world. The church can be strong in these days and strong coming out of these days to help people. This is what we're built for. This is what we were created for or praiseworthy. You know what's praiseworthy? A God who provides and protects through everything and anything. A God who made that promise I mentioned a moment ago that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. A God that told us ahead of time, there'll be trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So what that means, what's praiseworthy? What's praiseworthy is the reality that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we celebrated it last week, but we celebrate it every day. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside you and me, those of us that are Christ followers. And then he says, think about such things. What if you and I spent more time thinking about and processing the truth of who God is and how much he loves us and the plan he has for our lives and what the scriptures say? What what if I spent more time here than watching the news station that I agree with, that one or that one? What if I got more information from here than from what I'm hearing around me? Do you think, do you think we might worry less? See, we'll never have the peace of God if we constantly place our focus on things that scare the hell out of us instead of the God who's going to take care of us. Some of you, maybe, and you have to evaluate this, maybe there's some things you need to turn off. See, if the more informed you become, the more afraid you are, you need to evaluate the information you're consuming. Because if you and I hear more from people about what's going on, and think about it, most of what news gives us is bad news. If we spend more time consuming that than we do the living word of God that God uses to feed and nourish and fill our soul, the real me, the real you, 
then we're going to live worried and messed up and jacked up. But if we spend time feeding our soul with the nutrition that comes from the word of God, spending time with God, then it reinforces in our spirit, deep inside us, it reinforces, hey, we have an anchor founded in certain hope. We have a God who loves us and who will never forsake us, never leave us, and will be with us every moment through this, no matter what happens. Even though there will be trouble, even though there will be painful days, even though there will be difficult circumstances, our God promises he won't leave us. He'll be with us and he'll use us to help others. That means when it comes to worry, facts are our friends. Facts are our friends. Now, not the facts that this news organization sees it one way and this news organization sees it the other way. Not, not those facts. Not the facts that people disagree about. I'm talking about the facts that are just a reality, that are universal, true for all time and all places. The fact that Jesus came and lived on earth and lived a perfect life, that he died on a cross and rose again. Even the religious leaders said the tomb was empty. The people that were against him that had him killed, they said the tomb was empty. That's a fact. The fact that God sent his son because he loves you so deeply, loves me so deeply, that's a fact. The fact that I know that I'm sinful and broken and you know that you're sinful and broken. And if you have a little bit of pushback when I say that, hey, hey, here's the reality. I'm no better than you are. We're all sinners. And what you know deep down inside, you don't even meet your own expectations. That time you said you would, I'm going to lose weight. Remember January? It feels like a million years ago. I think March had 8,000 days in it. But January, where everybody made the New Year's resolutions, or if it, people say, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I want to get healthy this year. I want to do I'm going to join a gym. <laughs> Remember all that? You don't even keep your own standing. When, when you said, I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. Or I'm not going to treat my kids the way my, my parent treated me. All those things, and you let yourself down. We, we let ourselves down, we let God down. We are broken people. And the fact is, in that brokenness, in our guilt and shame and sin, there's a holy God that loves us completely. And there's nothing you can do and nothing I can do that would cause him to love us any less. And there's nothing we can do that would cause us to lo- him to love us any more. He loves us completely. Facts are our friends. But we can get hyped up on what some people say are facts and it can cause us to worry. Back, you remember Y2K, those of you that were living then, when it became the year 2000. In June of 1998, Jason Kelly wrote a book called Y2K, It's Already Too Late. It's over. Now, I wasn't that concerned about 2000, but, but they were saying the economy was going to crash, computers were going to glitch, there was all this fear and concern, the world's over. And it was being talked about more and more as we got closer to 2000. And I wasn't concerned about it, but I do remember the night. I, I remember the night, New Year's Eve, we were actually visiting family in Texas and we were watching the ball drop on the TV and celebrating the new year. And right before that happened, there was a little bit of a twinge inside of, okay, well, what if? <laughs> are, we, are we okay? Are we ready? Now, here's what's amazing about this. That book, Y2K, It's Already Too Late, written in 1998. Did you know you can still buy it on Amazon for $7.98? Like, why is that even still there? We're fine. We made it. It's okay. Because we have a propensity often to dive into worry and stay there. Worry is real, worry goes deep, and worry is contagious. The more you worry, man, people around you, should should I be worried? Is there something to worry about? No, no, no. Focus on the facts. Focus on the truth of God's word. And then verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now think about this verse. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and 
It's a, if you do this, God will do this. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I can't do everything, but there are three things I can do. Paul tells us in dark days and difficult times in crisis, I can pray effectively, I can think beneficially, and I can live obediently. I can live obediently. The peace of God is never found in the midst of disobedience. The peace of God is directly connected to the choices I make and how I live. Now, there's a reality that we need to discuss for a moment just because you deserve to know it. And I wouldn't be a very good pastor. I wouldn't even be a very good friend if I wasn't willing to go to some true places that are sometimes uncomfortable. So in the life of C3, we just deal transparently with real things that God teaches. And so sometimes... There are things we need to hear. Part of my responsibility as a pastor is to lead us and take us not where we want to go, but where we need to go. And sometimes we have to address things that are difficult to hear. Sometimes God speaks to me often about things that are difficult to hear. But if you have the courage, listen, you owe it to yourself to process what I'm about to say and see if it applies to your life. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. But if it does, you will be better and you will benefit. And those who love you the most will benefit if you apply what we're about to talk about. Praying effectively and thinking beneficially First two things we can do. I can pray effectively. I can think beneficially. Praying effectively and thinking beneficially will never overcome a life of disobedience. The third one, if I'm not doing it, I can live obediently, can cancel out the first two. See, we won't have the peace of God if we don't follow the plan of God. And sometimes we get worried about things that God has already spoken to and we're not living consistent with what Scripture teaches. And then we wonder why we worry. It's impossible to have the peace of God if I'm not following the plan of God, his his purpose for my life. And after all, God is the one who created life. He's God. He knows best how it can be lived. And he's a God who loves us so much, he gave his son, so he knows also how we can live our best life. But if I'm not following that, I'm going to have more worry in my life. Notice what Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Take action. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough just to show up. It's not enough to pop online. It might feel good in the moment. Man, I did, I did some church today, and yeah, that's awesome. We, we should. It's helpful. But what are you specifically doing with what you hear today? What am I specifically doing with what we're talking about today? Put it into practice. And when you do that, the God of peace will be with you. So I can pray effectively. I can think beneficially. I can live obediently. What is that thing that you know, man, in my life, I know God wouldn't be pleased with that. I know that wouldn't honor God. Here's the amazing thing about our God. You can ask him for forgiveness and instantaneously, not because you got better, but because he's a great, loving and forgiving and perfect God. We're forgiven. It's who God is. It's how deep his grace is. I want you to notice four words that are profound to me. Maybe the most profound in this entire passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters. You know what that means? That means that the Spirit of God has inspired Paul to write this and he's speaking to other Christ followers. He's speaking to people that are a part of the family of God. Finally, brothers and sisters. That means everything we just talked about. The way to abandon worry, how to navigate the dark days, the three things that I can do. I can pray effectively. I can think beneficially. I can live obediently. That's available to every single follower of Christ. And if you're not a Christ follower, that's part of what's available to you if you surrender your life to it. Hey, listen, you know deep down inside the greatest need in your life is to have a relationship with God. And maybe you've battled with, would he really love me? 
Think about who Paul was before. This guy, Paul, he hated the church, he hated Jesus, and he killed Christians. That's who he was. That's who he was. And then God transformed his life. That means no matter how broken you think you are, no matter how bad you think your past is or how ashamed you are of things in your life, it means, hey, God used Paul. God can do this in your life. God can do a work in your life and forgive and love you. It's not about who we've been or where we've been or what we've done. It's about who's on the throne of our life. And when it's Jesus, all of this becomes available. So this morning and throughout the day today, if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, it's the greatest need any of us have in our human condition. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to join the thousands of others that have done that and pray a very simple prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray together. If you'd like to commit your life to Christ, you just pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it quietly in your heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter six that Jesus knows even our thoughts. Just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. Thank you for loving me. As best I know how, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at giveC3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.